365 times it's in the Bible, says, fear not. You think God's trying to get a daily message into our heart? I believe the Lord, this virus did not catch God off guard. I don't believe he's wringing his hand up in heaven and said, oh my God, what am I going to do? I didn't see this coming. I believe the Lord saw it coming. I believe he saw the track of evil that was trying to come on us. And I believe the Lord has prepared and made a way of escape. That's what we're going to talk about today. And next week, we're going to talk about steps for fear to be overcome by faith or how faith can overcome our fear. We're going to find some steps, some general steps that we can do to react under faith instead of reacting under that fear. But you see, there's something about this virus. Uh, It attacks the outside. It attacks the physical body. But that's also, that also has a part that attacks the inside. And that's the fear that's associated with it. So while the body's been attacked from the outside, the fear is trying to attack on the inside. And that's something we can do something about. Now, certainly the Lord can heal the outside. And we have wonderful doctors and medicine that's all set and ready to go to help us. But at the same time, we can begin to fight that on the inside of us that's trying to gain a control in our life. In fact, in the book of Job, it says, the thing that I so greatly feared had come upon me. We have to shun, as being a believer, we have to shun fear. We have to overcome fear every time that we have an opportunity or every time we can. If not, fear will get a sudden hold upon our life. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bible there or your iPhone or iPad or however you look at the Word of God. In Luke chapter 8, verse 23, it says, But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. I want you to know that's this season. Not not only was there a storm that Jesus fought against, but there's a storm that you and I are standing against daily. That our county, their health care workers. Oh, I just want to say another word, how much I appreciate our health care workers. They're our heroes. They're standing on the front line. God has strengthened them, empowered them, and we're trusting the Lord that God is protecting them. As our health care workers stand, as our heroes stand on that front line to deliver us, help deliver us out of that danger. But the Bible says, says, says that they were in real danger. And I want you to know what we're facing is real. It's not a figment of somebody's imagination. I don't think it's the government trying to just make us afraid. What I do feel like, that we're under an attack. And it's an attack of fear along with an attack of a virus. Now, in the next verse, it says this, or in verse 25. It said, Then Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith in me? I believe that's what God is saying to us today. It said, Where is your faith? Or why are you fearful? So I, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about why we're afraid. And then we're going to talk about those steps that we can do to help us to overcome that fear with faith. Because it's not just enough to overcome fear. We've got to begin to release faith in God. If we're going to watch the Lord turn this thing around for us nationally, locally, in a family, in an individual life, we're going to have to do it through faith in the Lord. We have a good team that's out there. Healthcare workers, smart. 
There are scientists that's working on this. The government's doing what I feel to be a great job. I just love what our governor is doing to help keep us safe. And our local leaders, I love what our judge is doing. I love what our mayor's doing. I love what our local leaders are involved in doing and help keeping us safe. But the truth of the matter is we have a part also that we have to play in it. So our part is we have to release faith and we have to do away with fear. The first step I want to talk about this morning is this. Stay prayerful. Whatever you're going through, stay prayerful. The first thing that the devil tries to pull out of our life is prayer. See, because prayer takes a rendering on the outside what our heart is feeling on the inside. So what we have to do, we have to just say, you know what, I'm going to pray about that. I choose to pray about it and not worry about it. I choose to pray about it and sometimes not even to talk about it. In the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 is that classic verse dealing with prayer, what prayer can do in our lives. It says, don't worry about anything. Wow, isn't that a wonderful word? It says, don't worry. Evidently, God knows that we have the strength and the power to worry or not worry. For him to give me a command to not worry, then he knows that I have the strength in my heart, the strength in my spirit to be able to pull down worry. Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. God said, if you want me released in your life, you've got to come to a place where you refuse to worry or refuse to fear, and you've chosen, a choice is being made. You've chosen to release faith and to pray. And then it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Well, that's two powerful things and one negative thing that we're to fight against. We're to fight against worry. That is, if I'm going to choose faith for faith to be over fear in my life, I've got to first, I'm going to have to choose not to worry. There's some people that think you can't stop it. There's some people that feel that you have no power over it. And they say, I I just can't help worrying. Well, this is not what the Lord said there. God said that he, we had the strength and the power to stop worrying. The grace of God, the strength of God working inside our heart can strengthen our resolve to where that we can come to a place we're going to say, no, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to pray. See, it's impossible for your mind to think of two things at the same time. So that's when you're praying, you can't be worrying too. So what you have to make a choice is, I'm going to pray about everything. Now, the next verse says this, that if I will not worry, and if I'll pray about everything, and if I will move into a praising prayer warrior, not just a prayer warrior that can pray doubt or unbelief, but if I'm going to be a praising prayer warrior, that means this, I'm going to pray about something, and then I'm going to believe that it's in the hands of the Lord. So from that moment on, I can begin to thank God that it's in his hands. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. You know, the devil tricks us by trying to make us think that if we worry about something, it will help it. Or it will not work out unless we do worry. And that's exactly opposite. That's a complete lie that the enemy has tried to place in our minds. The truth about it is this. If I worry, I release doubt. If I release doubt, I release the hand of the enemy. But if I will release faith, it will release God to help me. 
God's not my problem, but he is my answer. He is my rescue. He is the one that can come to my help. He is the one that can come to my aid. So if I, number one, refuse to worry, number two, pray about it, and then number three, be a praising prayer warrior. That means praising God that it's in the hands of the Lord. I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's in the hands of the Lord. Then the Bible says, the next verse, then you will experience God's peace. Do you see what a powerful promise that is? Then it says, then you will, an absolute. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So what is our place to do? What is our place? We've got to stay in prayer. We've got to make a decision in our life that even in this moment, see, some have a lot of time, and some people are having no time. If you've got all the kids at home, you have no time. But if you're there by yourself, you've got all the time. But whether you've got no time or a lot of time, you've got to make a decision, I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to pray over these things. And the Bible says in Numbers chapter 16, verse 47, it gives us a secret what the church is to do. What is my job as a believer through a crisis? There the Bible says, Aaron went running among the people and even then the disease had to make a, or the disease had made a start among them. What had happened is this, a disease likened to a plague like what we're up against had come against the children of Israel. And God told Moses, or, and then Moses spoke it to Aaron, to run and stand in between the people. And the next verse says this, and he, talking about Aaron, as our intercessor, as our prayer warrior, and he took his place between the dead and the living, and the disease was stopped. Do you understand how many people had they had lost in the plague? Something like 170,000. When Aaron finally realized his position was to pray. And so Aaron literally went and stood between the dead and the living. And the Bible said that the plague was stopped. What's our place in this? See, your place may be a healthcare worker. You may be standing out on the forefront of this battle. You may have to fight fear every day to just go and stand on that job. And I want you to know I appreciate you and I love you. But maybe your job is you have time or you can take time where you can pray and where you can be the one that can stand and draw that line in the sand because it takes all of us. It takes that one that's out there where the rubber meets the road. Then it takes them being supported by a praying army <laughs> because I tell you truly, the battle is the Lord's. You may not think it and the world is out to convince you that it's not. But I believe in your heart, you know it is. The battle is really the Lord's. And so whether you're called by God to stand on the forefront, where you're called by God to be an ambulance driver, where you're called by God be, being one that stands in the grocery stores making sure that we have proper amount of food, or whether you're standing in a pharmacy trying to make sure that medicines are released, or whether you're a doctor that's taking care of those, or whether you're called to pray. If you're not in the front line all the time, I know you're called to pray. And even those that are called in the front line, the amazing thing about it is those that are on the front line, they know they need prayer. And they're making, many of them are making sure every day that they don't go to work until they're prayed up, until they know that God is with them. 
So the Bible says here, and he took his place between the dead and the living, and the disease was stopped. You know, I believe we can make that difference as the church. I believe that we can make that difference. Now, and I go back to that same question that Jesus said when he was in the boat and the storm was raging against them. And the Bible says that they were in danger. It looked like all hope was lost. Do you feel in that place? Do you feel like you're in a place where all your hope is lost? Well, that's where the disciples felt like they were. But Jesus, what did he do? He looked at him and said, have you lost your faith in me? And I believe that's what God's saying to us. Why aren't, why aren't we praying? Why aren't we not asking God to help us? The second thing, the first is to stay in prayer. The second thing we're expected to do is stay wise. There was one person I believe that put on Twitter and said it like this. I believe in prayer and I believe in soap. Well, I really can't say that I'm believing in soap. I know that soap. The reason tells me that if I will use it properly, it has the power to do away with germs. But to stay wise, we're in a place to where that we must realize that we're in an opportunity to where God's given us to obey those that have rule over us, to obey our authorities, that they're out looking out for us and the things that they're telling us to do, we need to do it without grumbling and without complaining. We need to simply obey and trust them that God has put them in that proper office. And I believe that. In fact, the Bible says there is no power but the power that's been put there by God. And so I believe that God has prepared our city and our county with the proper people in office. And I believe that they have our interest at heart. And I believe as they make decisions, it's not my situation to grumble and complain, but it's to simply to be wise. So God wants me to stay in prayer, and then God wants me to stay wise. Because see, there's three different kinds of fear. And next week, we're going to more talk about the kinds of fear. But I do want to mention one of them today. The three kinds of fear are natural fear, emotional fear, and evil fear. The problem is we get it all mixed up in our mind. There's three different kinds of fear. Is the natural fear, and natural fear is simply what it says. It's reasonable understanding. If you realize if you walk out into a street then you're probably going to get hit. If you do something that defies the law of gravity, you're probably going to fall. That's natural fear. But the Bible doesn't even call that fear. The Bible calls that wisdom. You're being wise when you're obeying the laws that God has put here and put in order. So we need to stay wise. Now, in the and realize it's the wisdom. Wisdom in three areas is the number one, God expects me to obey him. That means, number one in my life, I have to be obedient to the Lord. I've got to first find out what God's telling me to do. I need to read his word, read his instruction manual. A lot of people say, well, man, I don't know what God wants me to do. Would you expect your children to know what to do unless you told them or unless they learned? God expects us to learn what he's wanting us from us. The number one is to obey God. The second thing God expects us to do is having wisdom, what I'm talking about, is to obey authorities. God wants me to stay wise. 
So to stay wise, God wants me to obey him. The second thing he wants me to do is to obey authorities, those that God's put over me. I'm not doing God's bidding if I'm complaining about those that God put over me. I know we all have little fusses and fights. Sometimes we may have little struggles going on inside of us as we talk about the speed limit or we talk about various things. But the truth of the matter is God put that rule over us and God expects us to obey our authorities without complaint. And if we will, then we can expect the blessing of God. The third thing that God expects me to, to obey and stay in wise, he expects me to obey sound reasonings. You know, it's sound reasonings that I would use soap. It's sound reasoning that I would stay separated from people to leave at least those six feet between us. It's sound reasonings that I would not go to a place with more than 10 people because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand if you get a lot of people, you're spreading it to a lot of people. So to be obedient in the things that they've asked is a spiritual uh, release. In fact, if I will obey the authorities that God has given to me, whether it's God or whether it's the civil authorities or whether it's obey the sound reasonings that God has given to me, if I will obey those things, then I can expect the blessings of God. If I go against any of those areas, then you guess what? He's, God's got a child he must spank. But what we want to be is be obedient so God can release. So stay wise. In Romans chapter 13, verse 4, it says, those in authority are God's servants for the good of society. But if you break the law, you have reason to be alarmed. You see what God's saying? God said, those in authority are God's servants. They were in place there by the Lord. And if I break the law, that there is going to be a penalty that I must pay. And what I'm praying now that we're all safe in this virus situation is that we are keeping the right distance, that we are going home and staying home, that we're not being out and about because I don't want to have to pay the penalty that will come underneath that thing. I'm just so thankful how God has kept us all safe here. I'm so thankful. I, one of my greatest delights that I do is when I look at the, at the state map and I still see Washita County as all white, meaning that there's no virus that's been known here. That's wonderful. And I believe that we can give a lot of that to our godly leadership that God's put over us. And then I believe there's been a prayer wall that's been built for several years in and around this city, and it is prevailing. Now, somebody says, will it change? Well, if it does, God's going to still fight for us. When the enemy broke through in sieges, when he would break through into the city, where God defeated many outside the wall, God also had the power to defeat inside the wall. We've got to remember that. The third thing, and this is where I want to close, we got to stay kind. We've got we to stay in prayer. We've got to stay wise. And then we've got to stay kind. You know, we're in, a, we're in a time where we don't really have to wrestle about what's on the grocery shelves. Our leaders have told us that there's food enough. And it's amazing to me how, how when a little trial comes along, or a great trial, or a great fear, how immediately the devil tries to rob us of our kindness. But this is opportunity to go kind. 
kind, to be kind, to live kind, to be generous, to be loving, to be caring. Even at a time where you may be concerned over your economics, then you can give something else away. You can give your love away. By being generous in your love and generous in your kindness. This is not a time to blow horns because somebody won't get out of your way. It's not a time to run, get a get all the, the toilet tissue there is on the rack because you don't want to be the only one that's left without. I believe we can trust God. You know, the Lord said he would provide for all of our need. So in this, in this season, we can stay kind and we can stay generous. The Bible says in the book, Acts chapter 9, it says, Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated into the Greek means she was rich, and acts of kindness. Even her name meant she was rich in acts of kindness. Now I want to close with this, if I may. When I talk about being kind, I'm just not talking about being kind as far as kind gestures and loving and caring, but I'm really talking about ministry. You know, one of the greatest ways to stay alive in any situation is to always have a purpose from God. See, God really doesn't think about death the same way we do. God doesn't think it's bad when we go to heaven. In fact, that's his children coming home. But what God does think is bad is for the enemy to steal us away before our time or for the enemy to steal us from the purpose that we have here on earth. That's why one of the greatest things any of us can do in our life is to find our purpose. What is my purpose in life? And how can I use the purpose that God put me on earth for, how can I use that purpose here on earth? You know, there's been a lot of people that's found out that way. You know, we immediately began to receive calls here when immediately the lockdown came. And people began to say, you know what? I want to do something for someone else. Do you have any older people that's in that more of a threat class that I can take food to their house, that I can go and pick up? You know, that bless me. Because what people are doing, they're taking this opportunity to use it as a ministry for the Lord. And I tell you, this is the perfect time that we have to, to tell people about the love of Christ and to, tell, and to arrest fears. Man, don't be part of the fear gang. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy watching the news, but I found out that I can't watch much news now. Because if I do, I'll become part of that fear gang. What I've got to do, I've got to become ministry-oriented. You know, I had one of the greatest dreams I believe I've ever had last night. I dreamed that I was in this situation. It's something like that we are in now with this virus season. I was in a situation, but I knew that even in that situation, my purpose was I must touch people with the love of Jesus. And in this stream, it was so wonderful. I, I mean, when I woke up, I had the greatest feeling in the world because I continued to pursue in that dream. I, I got to work that out in my daily life. But in that dream, I was pursuing people just to talk to them about Jesus. And I remember finally I found somebody that didn't know that they were right with God. And I can remember the joy I felt as I led that person in that dream in the sinner's prayer. And I remember thinking in my mind in that dream, I was thinking, 
I was thinking, am I saying it right? Am I doing it right? Because I want to make sure that this person receives everything that God wants them to receive. And then I woke up. It was the greatest joy. And I knew that I would be talking to you today. And so what I felt like that maybe there was someone out there, maybe you, and maybe you're not sure that you're saved. Maybe it's just not the fear of the virus, but it's the fear of facing the virus, not really sure that you're right with God. But you know what? Jesus died to make it so easy so we can do something about that. If that's you, if you're by yourself, I want you to pray this out loud with me. If you're with a group or with your family, you may want to just whisper it inside your heart, but I want you to know God will hear it. And in a moment of time, we can know that things are right with God. Will you pray with me? Would you just simply say, Father, forgive me. I've sinned against you and I've failed you. And I ask your forgiveness. But I ask that your blood would wash me clean. I ask that your blood would wash all of my sins away. Make me right with you. And Father, in Jesus' name, I receive your gift of righteousness into my life. In Jesus' name. We're talking about acts of kindness or staying kind. We're going to have a, a moment. I want to show you a little clip. This was on Fox. It was two children, and both children suffered. Well, let me just kind of read the beginning of the story for you. Shaletta Brundage had two children. They both had autism. They was age six and seven. And the little seven-year-old, because of the autism, became extremely panicky during this season. Every time that he would hear the news, it would just set him off. And he was in such a distraught situation. But his little six-year-old sister took him by the hand and said, Brother, let me help you because she had learned a scripture and that scripture said this for God had not given us the spirit of fear and that little lady that little child began to quote that scripture and now all of a sudden she had found her purpose and her purpose was to bring peace to the life of her brother which she accomplished but not only did it bring peace to the life of her brother, it brought peace into her whole family. That can be you. Let's watch this clip just a moment. Oh God, what God did not, did not give me, give me a spirit, a spirit, a spirit, a spirit, a spirit, a power, love, and love, and a child, and a child, my, mind. Amen.
Wow. Now I know if that little daughter Cameron found her purpose, that you can find your purpose. And if you will find a purpose, there is a reason. There becomes a reason for you to be here. There becomes a reason for you to not go until your purpose is fulfilled. So it doesn't matter whether you're young, whether you're six-year-old, or you're 94. Find a purpose and do that purpose during this. We're going to close with a message of faith. God bless you. Remember tonight, be with us at five o'clock right back here. We'll be streaming. Man, it's a powerful message going to be here tonight at five o'clock. God bless you. This is our last little message we're leaving with you now. If God is for us, then what difference does it make really who's against us because God is certainly greater than anything or anybody that could come against us. And you know, I think that where we get into trouble is we believe that God is for other people, but are we sure that he's for us? Can I tell you something? You having a problem is not a sign that God doesn't care. It does not mean that God doesn't see you. It does not mean that he does not care about you. He wants to help you in your time of need and trouble. We give the enemy access to our life through fear, and we give God access to our life through faith. We don't have to be afraid of things. God will take care of us. Whatever's coming up in your future, even the stuff that you don't know about, God will take care of you. I said, God will take care of you. Get it in your head. God will take care of you. Amen. And that's really all we need to know. God's going to take care of us. God has not given us a spirit of fear.